We are coming live to you, the Dudes of Davy podcast. It is Monday, February 6th, and this is a special edition. We may even call it the Philly edition. I'm here with my co-host, Lonnie Greenberg, as always, but for the first time in the history of this podcast, we do have two guests. They are esteemed in some circles, probably less circles. They might be less esteemed, <laughs> but their names are Lee and Vince. We welcome you to the show. Uh, and Lonnie, why don't you tell us a little bit about your uh, your relationship to Vince and uh, how you guys just met on Tinder? <laughs> yeah, we just met on Tinder. It was uh, Grinder. It was Grindr. <laughs> oh, oh. oh, I can't keep it straight anymore. <laughs> oh my god! Uh, I grew up with Vince. We have watched many sporting events together. Some of them live and in person, and uh, we've felt the pain together in lockstep. And we are getting a little bit more. Um, success these days, so it's it's coming together a little bit more, but probably more pain. So we'll we'll talk about all of that, and it's a perfect week to do that because we have a great moment ahead of us this weekend. The Eagles are in the Super Bowl for the second time in five years, and uh, we're, we're clearly going to discuss that at length. Yeah, no, I'm really excited that I surrounded myself with three people from Philadelphia for this podcast uh, ten years ago. I think Lee probably would have. You know, laughed his ass off if he if I told him I was going to be doing this. But Lee Minton, uh, I've known him for 20 years. Uh, you know, bled the Eagles all that time. Obviously, as a diehard Jet fan, the only thing we shared was the same color, green. Uh, now, I really I'm excited to talk about. Look, it's a big week for Philadelphia. I understand it. Philadelphia, as much as I hate many of the teams from Philly, not all but most, uh, it's an important week in the history of Philadelphia sports. I think Philadelphia sports have really taken, have gone an upward trajectory the last 10 years. It's really remarkable to see. I'll still throw in some data points later on to show that losing is still in the DNA. Uh, but I look forward to hearing you guys talk about the, uh, the Eagles and what it means to you guys and uh, what do you guys think for the game? Yeah, so let, let's start with Lee. Lee, what, what are you feeling about this game? What, like, what, what makes you like really nervous? And what, what, we're going to get into predictions like later on. But like, let me just hear your thoughts. What's the what's the vibe like in the Philly area right now? Yeah. Well, I, I think um, I felt I feel a little similar to how I felt a couple of years ago when they went to the Super Bowl. I felt I feel like they have a very very hungry team. Similar to that team, they have some people who have been there before, but for the most part it would be a, a huge exclamation point on a lot of these guys' careers if they could actually get over the line and win this thing, particularly like an A.J. Brown, uh, Miles Sanders, uh, Jalen Hurts, of course, and uh, Hassan Reddick. I mean, th this is a big deal to them. They are winners and they want to win, similar to the crew back a couple of years ago. So I feel like the, the skills are there and I feel like the hunger and the confidence is there as well. So that's what gives me probably the most amount of confidence, their hunger and their, uh, you know, we can get into the technicals about the matchups and everything, but I really like the the hunger profile of the team. Yeah. No, I think that makes a lot of sense too. I mean, I think you see it in second year head coach Sirianni. Mm -hmm. uh, I think he's, listen, who knows what to really make of him to be perfectly honest. I have no idea if this man is a good coach or a bad coach. The only thing I can tell you is that his emotion and his level of interest in the game, snap by snap, play by play, even as somebody who did, really does not like this team uh, or franchise, 
I mean, you have to, as a fan, be like, yeah, I want that guy on the sideline, screaming, yelling, fighting, getting angry. You want that versus, I mean, look, I know you guys love Andy Reid, but I mean, watching that walrus day in and day out, week in and week out was really hard. It was really hard. Like you rooted against him. That's how much it hurt. But uh, I'll pose the same question, uh, same question to Vince. Uh, Vince, you are a, a diehard fan. Uh, what, what are you feeling? You know, you know, what have you thought this whole season? Did you think you'd be at this point? And, uh, you know, how are you feeling right now, you know, seven days away from the game? Yeah, so as, as the, I think the only person who actually lives in Philadelphia right now on this podcast, the, the mood in the city is really optimistic, which I'm definitely not used to. Uh, <laughs> it's really been that way for, for weeks, if not months now. Um, you know, when the schedule, you know, when the schedule comes out in the spring, and you start looking at you know the week matchups and who you're playing and 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 where you're playing and 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 when you're playing, you you realize that wow this team has has is playing the Gonzaga schedule, like there's some really really easy opponents. Um, now I didn't think the NFC East was going to be this strong. Uh, you know each team in the NFC East ended up at 500 or better, uh, but you know we took care of business and um, uh, it's it's remarkable the parallels. Uh, like Lee was saying, between like the 2017 team and, and this team, um, you know, you have, uh, you know, with an upgrade of quarterback. I mean, you have you have Hertz, who is really um, improved every year uh, going back to, to his days in Alabama, to Oklahoma, uh, to now here as Eagles. Um, it, it's been an incredible rise and it's been a lot of fun to watch. Vince, what what was your expectation for Hertz at the very beginning of the season? Truthfully, not not very high. I okay. thought, yeah. <laughs> I you know I you know of course coming off that loss to Tampa last year, um, I just didn't think he could throw the ball. And to see him become one of the a great deep passer, um, you know AJ Brown obviously has a lot to contribute to that. Devontae Smith, the weapons that they have on the offensive side of the ball is tremendous. Uh, but you know, he is the leader of this team and, um, he, he's cool and calm and, uh, you know, I wouldn't want any other quarterback, um, leading this team. I'm curious. That's a really, and first of all, you know, that's a great response because I think all of us had very limited expectations of Hertz heading into this season and anybody who watched him in college, you know, thought he was a halfway decent player, maybe a little small, uh, not sure of the arm strength. What do you think happened in between the end of last season and this season for him to elevate his game the way that he has, like you talked about, they have tremendous weapons on offense, right? But, you know, behind Miles Sanders, you have Kenneth Gainwell. You know, besides A.J. Brown, you have Devontae Smith. So, obviously, the, the offensive options were, were significantly upgraded. But, you know, what is it about him that changed? I think it's three words, A.J. Brown, to be honest. <laughs> I think he just throwed up to him and, yeah. and he catches damn near everything. Um uh, but I think I, you know, he, he comes from coaching. His father was a coach. His father coached him in high school. Uh, I just think that everything you read about him, he's the first one in the building. He's the last one to leave. He loves football. Uh, he knew, he knew he had to improve his passing, his accuracy, his deep ball. And, you know, and, and, um, it's worked. It's, it's, it's tremendous. Is, isn't he like the strongest guy on the team too? Isn't it like squat more than like any of the offensive 600 line. pounds that's he insane. squatted 600 pounds in college and 500 in high school that's is that real yeah yeah you got to google that and look that up it's it's remarkable to see the bar is bending as he's squatting yeah. he was a texas high school state champion how, yeah. how, how tall is jalen hurts 
Hey Google, uh, I don't know. He's got. <laughs> no, he's got to like, be over sixty. Hey Siri, six six one, right? Yeah. The, I think what, what, I, what I was that. about to say is, and I'm not looking to cause a different type of conversation, but if Tua were the quarterback of the Eagles, how much different a trajectory do you think that this all would be? Do you think they're that different a athlete and competitor? Yeah. I think there's a power game component to what they do in the running game that that includes Jalen Hurts mm-hmm. when he keeps the ball on option plays when they're down on the goal line. You should look at their or we should you know we should pull up their fourth and short stats, you know, an ability to extend the drive when he's able just to grind it through the line and get the first down. I think they're they always go for it on fourth and short. So you know I don't I don't see the same profile of offense if they have a different quarterback in there right and the and to that point about what what made a difference between one year to the next i think it was said that this is his first year where he's had the same offensive system for two years in a row so that's obviously helpful um but and and but but the question the controversial question a couple weeks ago which i think hopefully he's putting to rest nowadays is is it the system or is it the quarterback and um, I, th- I think it's both. Yeah, I think it's actually both. He's super talented and he's got all these weapons and they all work together. You can't discount the fact that he's got like the best offensive line in in the NFL, too. Like that's right. yeah, he's got weapons, but he's got all these guys protecting him as well. Right. The offensive line is something that, you know, when Lane Johnson went out, I got really nervous more, even mm-hmm. more nervous than when Hertz was out, because I knew that that was going to be. Some of these players that aren't talked about as much are really the keys to this. You know, obviously, look, Hertz is great, and he puts in the work, clearly. You know, you can't squat 600 pounds without putting in the work. Um, <laughs> and, and he's resilient, and he's, he, he's able to change and evolve, and, and I love him. You know, Devontae Smith continues to get better. You know, Miles Sanders, A.J. Brown was obviously an incredible addition. I can't believe Tennessee just let him go. Um, they didn't want to pay him. But you know, those are like the those are like the guys that you you know you see and hear about a lot. But there's so many guys in the trenches on the defensive line, offensive line that are just you know the key to this. I, I do remember in the off season when they made the AG Brown move, mm-hmm. and then they got that defensive player as well. And someone made a comment that if you looked at their personnel, like in August, you kind of uh, like thought to yourself, this might be definitely the best team in the NFL from a personnel standpoint. And mm-hmm. I was like, wow. I was like, okay. Then you brought up something that is a whole separate podcast, which is quarterback or system. We could, we could run through right now, I don't know, 20 different situations where we could say, is it quarterback or system? And I think the easiest answer to that is it's actually always both. It's never just yeah. one or the other. Whether it's Montana, Bill Walsh, whether it's Belichick and Brady, I mean, you could really go up and down the lineup and say it's, it's got, it, there's elements and components of both. And I think Hertz has significantly you know, you know, increased his level of play, increased his awareness, you know, increased his ability to read defenses and decide when to you know, p- tuck that ball down and make the run, uh, which I think has been a huge – not only a huge thing for the Eagles, I think it's a huge thing for any team right now that wants to succeed. You need a mobile quarterback that's at least six feet or taller that can throw the deep ball. Now, you, mm-hmm. can t- you could take a Jimmy G and say, you know, you could use him and get to a certain point. The, but I think the deep ball is what separates Jalen Hurts potentially from a lot of his other competitors. And, and the people that catch the deep ball. I mean, the, the similarity between 2017 and today 
I was wondering if you guys were going to ask me who my favorite player was, but oh, that's it's, 27. It's coming. it's coming. Okay. All right. Well, I'll save it for that. But the, the big, strong wide receiver is since ever since we had T.O., <laughs> I've always wanted another big, because I've dealt with the James Thrashes and the Todd Pinkstons and all of the skinny tree guys that, 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 that aren't the solid receivers. And you get a T.O., then you get an Alshon in 2017, and then you get somebody like A.J. Brown to throw it to. I, Wait, I, you should know about it. We call him Stingston and Trash. Stingston and Trash. That's Kevin it. Curtis. I mean, I was going back in the years yeah. looking at these receivers, and they yeah. were all talented guys, but they just didn't have the the fortitude that these other ones do. What, what I miss is the two-yard dump pass to Cecil Martin. That one I miss. <laughs> <laughs> that play never should never be run on any down ever. Um, but look, we've been through a lot of pain. This is a great, this is a great time right now. Um, you know, we have a lot of questions for you guys to kind of circle around the Super Bowl. I want predictions. I want hard predictions. We're holding everyone to the fire here. We're going to go Lee. You're first. So going into the, uh, a Super Bowl a couple of years ago. I actually felt at the game. I was at the game, and I saw the vibe. I felt we were going to murder them. I just felt that hunger. It was scary when you saw Tom Brady coming out of the tunnel because you knew how focused he was, and you and you could see he was such a killer. But I actually felt that they were going to murder them. It didn't turn out that way for a moment. There, it felt like they were going to do it. But I've, I'm feeling the same vibe here. So I think they win something like 34-20 or 34-17. I think they murder them. And, um, and just for our, our audience, you will be there, correct? No, I've ch changed of plans. Too many, I was planning to go. I have airfare and everything else. I just, too much going on, and we're going to watch it with family at home. So right. I went to the other one, but I was, I'm not going to go to this one. Fair enough. And how about you, Vince? Yeah, so similar to Lee, um, you know, Again, I don't like this feeling of confidence. I'm not used to it going into a game like this. Um, haven't had it, I don't think, ever. Um, but I'm, like, really confident. And, you know, I don't know if we want to go deep into matchups now, but, you know, the Eagles match up every against Kansas City really well. And I think we actually have the edge in every position except quarterback. Um, you know, and, and that's the, you know, and he's the, Mahomes is the ultimate X factor. Uh, I just don't know how mobile he is. Um, you know, our, our line will put a lot more pressure on him than, than, than he's used to. Um, uh, and I'm, um, I'm very confident. I, I think, I think it's gonna be high scoring, even though I did, did do some research in my over-under bets that like nine of the last 12 Super Bowls have gone under or something like that. Right. Um, I, still, I think there's a lot, I think there's gonna be a lot of points scored. Um, I think it's going to be a little similar to, um, the Super Bowl in, in 2018 in, in Minnesota, where it's going to be a high scoring kind of fair kind of back and forth. Um, but I, I think we end up winning, you know, 31, 28, something like that. All right. I'm not too far off you. I, you, you, you basically covered everything that I wanted to say. Like, I, I think the Eagles do match up, you know, better on almost every front, but Mahomes is like, he, he's a magician, you know, and it's like, he, he could literally account for two or three scores that, you know, would just be impossible by anyone else. I, look, I, th I think it will be a pretty close game. I think it will be 28-24 Eagles. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's going to be I think it's going to be tighter than uh, look the the line's what one and a half right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean I think it's going to be pretty tight game. What, what I'm what I'm kind of banking on is Andy Reid getting tired of running the ball, and the irony if if he ends up if if Kansas City ends up with 150 <laughs> if Kansas City ends with 150 rushing yards uh, on 30 attempts uh, and we lose. I'm not going to be able to handle that. I because <laughs> when he was the Eagles coach, all we wanted him to do was run the damn ball. And if he ends up beating us by running the ball, uh, it's really going to be a punch in the gut. With Pacheco, yeah, I think that the Eagles take away Kelsey completely, which I think is the key to the game. I don't think Kelsey. I think Kelsey barely catches any balls because I think they're going to devise a defense where they're not going to let him win the game. And then I think it's going to be up to Mahomes to weather the pressure to find Juju Schuster and Pacheco out of the backfield and others. Uh, if he can, I don't think he will. Um, I think this is like a 31-17, 31-21 type of game where the Eagles really devise a plan. I also think the Eagles haven't been challenged in the playoffs yet. And I actually think some, you, know, you could look at that two ways. You could say, oh, that's terrible. You know, they're not going to be – or you could say, no, it's not terrible. You know why? They thrashed these two teams. They would have beaten them no matter what. Okay, Brock Purdy being in there wouldn't have made much of a difference, to be perfectly honest. I think now they're healthy. I think, like you said, Lee, they're hungry. And I think this team has spent the last two weeks devising a plan. And does any team know Andy Reid better than the team he coached for 10, 12 years? So mm-hmm. I, know he's a, I know he's an offensive genius, but, man, it's not going to take a – it's not going to take a 30-something-year-old videographer to cut, slice, and dice his favorite plays over the last 15 years into a, this is, this is what he leans on in this situation. This is what he was going to do in third down and long. This is how he's going to try and fake and show you. That. I just think the Eagles are going to have an answer for everything, and they're going to win their second Super Bowl, and it's going to really suck for me. So. <laughs> I'll try not to talk about it too much. It's fine. I'm rooting for him because you're my brother-in-law, and I actually like you, so it's fine. I've actually rooted for a couple of Jets games that that were hard. Well, that's like rooting for like homeless children, so I appreciate <laughs> it. <laughs> All right, so the Super Bowl. I think we've covered that. I mean, we could obviously talk about this forever, but what I what I want to do now is a little bit of rapid fire. I, I'm going to take on Vince. And I'm going to ask him a few questions here. And even though I may know the answer to a few of these, I, I'm very excited for his response. So, All right, here we go. It, I'm going to start with, what's your worst Eagles memory of all time? Uh, that's pretty easy. It's Ronnie Barber, pick six. Yep. Going back, last game of the vet. I thought for sure we were going to the Super Bowl to play the Raiders. And we end up that pick six that that I was remember watching in college. Yep. I was in my house in Bloomington. It was you and, and me. It was you and yeah, we were in our house and it was awful. That was two thousand three? Yeah, two thousand three. So it was January yeah. two thousand three. Yeah, me, me and Lee went to Vegas to watch the uh, the Bucks versus the Raiders. Yeah, the, there uh, you go. It was just the two of us watching this together. <laughs> and we were like <laughs> I was like, Well, See you later. <laughs> last game of the vet too. That guess, was guess. I was like, no way. Are they going to lose the last game of the? It's twenty five degrees. Tampa's never won a game over under forty, and yeah, they got their ass kicked. Yeah, that one, that one, that's mine too. By the way, that that one stung. There's nothing worse. Yeah. Um, who's your favorite Philly athlete of all time? All time or right? Current like current all, all time. All time. 
Wow. Wow. So, well, I guess the one I've seen live is Iverson. Yeah. Right. I- Iverson's the answer, obviously. Um, pardon the pun, but I- Iverson is Iverson's the answer to that question. Um, is Barkley close? Barkley's close. I didn't, you know, I didn't see his his peak. You know, I, you know, my earliest memory, obviously, I think of Charles Barkley is him getting traded to Phoenix. Right. You know, so that, that you know, I was like 10, 11 years old when that happened. So uh, I don't really remember his peak sixer days, um, you know, but, you know, obviously, you know, I, I love what, what he's become uh, on TNT, but. Uh, I think current Philly or, or, or historic Philly athlete, I got to say it's Iverson. Um, and then any of those 08 Phillies guys, you know, just living in the city at the time with, with those Phillies, those Phillies players. Uh, I love Chase Utley. Um, I, I, he's, he's the only Jersey that I own Chase Utley's Jersey. Um, I think it's the most expensive thing I own. <laughs> so, so that that's my, that's my Philly. That's my Phillies answer. I love that. Um, look, while we're talking about the Phillies, I had the the pleasure or the curse of watching um, the NF to watch the World Series with you. No, no, the um, the the NLCS. And it was quite the experience. It was almost like watching a Netflix show when Netflix goes out with my kids. Uh, <laughs> There's a lot of yelling, a lot of frustration. I mean, I'll tell you who my least favorite athlete is right now in Philadelphia. Yeah, I think that, you know this answer. That, that's where I was going. Who, who's your least favorite athlete right now in Philly? Nick Castellanos. <laughs> and, and, and why oh. is that? <laughs> I feel like I have more of a plan at the plate than yeah. he does. And I haven't played baseball competitively in 25 years. I, I like He has no idea what he's doing at the plate. Um, no clue. <laughs> every time he came up to... Like watching this game, these games with you, I think the entire city of Denver now is like <laughs> is like is like cursed by by you. Uh, but you did a great job hating on them while they were winning. It was great. That, by the way, that's hard to do. I, I do a lot of that. It, it, and Lee, Lee's not so bad at it either. I think it's, I think you really do think it's an acquired skill. Yeah. Uh, my next question. This is the last one from me. Is how, how often do you say the word John? It's, you know, the fact that I work in schools and I hear kids say it all the time, it's yeah. got to become passe, but it's it's really just, it's part of the Philly lexicon, that's for sure. It is, I say it down here and people have no idea what I'm talking about. Yeah, I have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah. All right. We'll talk later. All right. Good stuff. Good so, stuff. So John seven. So, so for those that are uninformed, John can be anything. So it's, it can be a noun. It can be a verb. It can be an adjective. It can be anything. Okay. All right. I mean, I mean, I'll trust your lead on that as a principal of a school. So there you go. <laughs> All right, so Lee, Stefan, get Stefan, give it a try, and you'll you, it'll roll off your tongue before you know yeah, it. Yeah, I have no doubt. I'll give it a try off mic. Um, <laughs> all right, so Lee, you ready? These are for you. Uh, how many years has it been since the Sixers won a championship? Eighty-three, right? Eighty-three. So well done. Forty years. Yeah, forty mm. years. It's amazing. It makes me feel so good to say that out loud. Um, how many years has it been since the Flyers won the Stanley Cup? Time out. When's the last time the Knicks won a championship? Uh, this is a Philly pod. Thanks, Vince. Um, so anyway, <laughs> I get I get the quiz questions, and Vince gets no, no, the layups. Don't worry, don't worry. So how many times? How many years has it been since the Flyers won the Stanley Cup? 
Yes, that's when he got 79, maybe 75, 75, 75. So 47 years crazy between the yeah, two. Almost not even born years. on this planet. I know it's really that's crazy. Not good. Uh, that's so, not good. so Lee, who is your favorite athlete of all time in Philly? I don't, I, I would have to, unfortunately, for, this isn't going to be interesting for the podcast, but unfortunately it's Alan Iverson. And it was because living in New York at that time, I got, I remember I got the NBA ticket. It was like the first time back then where you could buy the NBA ticket. And I sat in my apartment in the Bowery and watched every single Sixers game. And if you think about the playoffs and their seven game series, and those series always went to seven games, six or seven, that's another quarter season. So I was looking at it as like, Oh my, and I was living and dying in the bars at home watching those Allen Iverson playoff games. I remember in the Hamptons with you, yep, Stefan, yep. watching them play the Bucks. I know, I know, with Glenn Robinson on the Bucks. And we were watching in the Hamptons over that time period. And I was just glued to the television because I love, I love the answer. So it's out. So he's number one. Number two is Brian Dawkins. Mm. Nice. I, I think I and then my sneaky number three is Jeremiah Trotter, of which I have a gate. That's my only Eagles jersey. Wow. The linebacker, wow. 54. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the Eagles have had some incredible defensive players in the history of that franchise. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah. It's almost crazy to think about. You know, you could go to a lot of other franchises and potentially name like one to two players that are memorable. And the Eagles probably have somewhere between seven and 10, which is really amazing. They used to be really strong at the linebacker position, but over the recent years, they've sort of wandered from that to be a strong up front and strong out uh, in the back. Mm -hmm. But they had a history over those years. Byron Evans, Seth Joyner, Jeremiah Trotter. They had some real studs at linebacker, but they have serviceable people this year. Um, you know, decent ones this year, but. So, so I'm curious. So what's your, what's your worst memory as a, as a Philadelphia, you know, sports fan? What's the one that hurts the most? I, I know. Uh, <clears throat> well, this is going to be, uh, what is it called? Recency bias or something? Um, it's when Alshon dropped the slant against the Saints in the playoffs and it got intercepted. Yes. Because they were, they were, they were driving to win the game again. Here we go, Foles. He's going to take us for another run. And they had it lined up and it was in his hands. And it popped out and I, and I couldn't believe the game was over. Like that was it. And it was all over and we're done. And uh, that was like a big punch in the stomach. So that was my worst memory recently. Right. That, that yeah, one hurt. Back, I got to say 90, 93 Phillies. 93 Phillies. Yeah. Kind of my, oh yeah. That's Joe as, Carter, as right? Child, yeah. As a child, that was, you know, really life altering for me, <laughs> but <laughs> Uh, really traumatic. That, that means um, you had a good childhood. <laughs> <laughs> but, but that's been his worst moment. I hope he's okay. No, no, but it still hurt. Trust me. I, I, I remember that feeling. Yeah, that, that's the only time I've seen my dad cry was in nine, Joe Carter, <laughs> Williams, That's all. That's it. <laughs> the other real quick stinker was I got tickets to the 04 Panthers Eagles uh, NFC Championship at home. Oh, yeah. And me and a couple buddies went down to Philadelphia and we were pre-gaming literally the whole day. And the NFC championship was the six o'clock slot, not the three o'clock. The AFC was the three o'clock slot and the NFC was the six o'clock that year. So we were pre-gaming the whole time, walked over to the thing, walked over to the link 
and they lost like 10 to three or 10 to six or 13 to six or some, the offense did absolutely nothing. And it was there for the taking the entire game and they blew it. Who was the Eagles quarterback then? McNabb. Yeah. That, that, that's why but that was the, that was the year where they had no wide receivers. And, like, that means, was, and they got T.O. that off season. That's and right. The following year, I was at the game where we beat Atlanta to go to the Super Bowl. Yep. And lose to Stephens beloved Pats. Yeah. I am not a McNabb fan. So we could spend a lot of time talking about Donovan McNabb. We could. I'm, a, I'm actually a McNabb uh, supporter and feel like he's just hated on too much. And the fact that he took those teams and put them on his back those all those years, well, whatever. He, he did is, get a standing ovation. At the, I was at the uh, Sixers game last week, and he was there, and he did, get a, he did get a standing ovation from the crowd. So that was nice. nice. That's fair. That's fair. Years of service. You know, it's like you, it's like you get like a coin or like a like a buckle, like after you put in a certain amount. I think it's great. True. All right. All right. So should we talk about? Let's talk a little bit about uh, the NBA, right? Yeah. We're heading into the trade deadline, which is this Thursday. This is one of my one of my and Lonnie's favorite times of year, and I think a lot of stuff has the potential to happen. You never know, but we already saw one big trade go down, which was Kyrie Irving going from the Nets to the Mavs. But, you know, to the extent that you guys, which I think you both do, you know, follow the Sixers and follow the NBA, you know, what are your thoughts as we are, you know, 72 hours away from, uh, you know, the NBA trade deadline? And what do you want to see and what do you think you might see? I just reflect on what a steal the Harden-Simmons trade was, first of all. So I was thinking about that the other day when at the time all the pundits were saying, you know, what a one-sided thing and the... Brooklyn Nets are going to be awesome and all this stuff. And it's turned out to be completely wrong. Like Simmons has done absolutely nothing. Correct. Harden's taken his game this season to another level more recently as well. And now Kyrie's gone. And what do you have to show for it? Like we won that trade and I do a little victory lap, you know, the you, other day thinking about that. You know, it's interesting. You know, it's interesting about all of this in terms of especially the Nets, but even, you know, how the Sixers are intertwined in this as well as just talent does not win in the NBA. It, it has to be cohesion. It has to be chemistry. It, obviously, you need talent, but the Spurs proved and plenty of other teams proved you, you, you can't just put together a team and say, these guys are all talented, so they're going to win. It's like the, the Nets, what they did is they literally picked the three or four worst guys to put together. L listen, so I, I'll, I'm going I'm to counter your point slightly, Lee. So I think Sean Marks, prior to arriving in New Jersey, or prior to arriving in Brooklyn, whoever they are, doesn't really matter. Nobody goes to the games. But prior to arriving in Brooklyn, had a remar remarkable resume, right? He'd done so much good on the Spurs. He makes a few good moves, and then he makes this blockbuster. And as he starts to go after KD and Kyrie and then James Harden, I think to myself, my God, this man has lost his mind, legitimately lost his mind. When the trade went down, though, to the Sixers, while I hear you at the moment, it appears that the Sixers got the better trade. I don't want to forget Seth Curry, who's played very well for the Nets. I'm pretty sure there's at least two or three picks that were in that deal as well. So before, and again, understand, I really loathe James Harden. So before you take the victory lap, let's see how this season ends. Because if this season ends the way I think it will, which is the Sixers not winning the championship, uh, James Harden, if I'm not mistaken, will be up for contract. And I think it'll be fascinating to see 
uh, if he's offered the max, which is, you know, you know, backing up the Brinks truck with a quarter of a billion dollars, or if he signs elsewhere, and then that trade becomes, I don't know if it becomes a wash or if it just becomes a, you know, maybe the Sixers did a little bit better and the Nets are, you know, let's see what happens with those picks. Uh, but I, I do think that I will give credit to where credit is due for the last few weeks to a month. James Harden has certainly raised his game. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see how it goes from here. But I'm really rooting against them. What do you guys think about the Sixers? I mean, I know that the record looks pretty good, 34 and, what, 17? But, like, I feel like they're a little too streaky at this point. There's, I think there's too many holes, honestly, at this, at this moment from what I see. And Embiid is playing incredible. But Amazing. But that could, you know, that could stop at any point in time with an injury. Well, look, it all comes down to the postseason, like Stefan said. If, if they don't get out of the second round, and if they don't, at the very least, make the Eastern Conference Finals, uh, you know, uh, you know, it, they got a clean house. I mean, Doc's gone. You know, Harden has a player option next year, Stefan. So it's, it's so he he's probably right. he will he's probably going to opt out of that. Um, you know, it really comes down to the playoffs. I don't care the seating. I don't care what their record is in the regular season. You know, obviously, I want you all to win the MVP. Um, I don't care about all that stuff. They have to get out of the second round of the playoffs. What, so if, if they don't do that, it's an abject failure. What can the Sixers do at the trade deadline? I mean, obviously, the three of you know the team. You watch the team. You, you probably know the roster pretty well. What can they do at this trade deadline to you know, advance that cause? So I, I think their biggest hole right now is the backup center position. Now, that, that may seem really odd to say, but they get crushed in the playoffs when Embiid is off the court. Um, they are like, they, they're, they're, they're a negative, almost double digits when Embiid's off the court in the playoffs. And that cannot happen. Um, so I, I think they end up getting it back because you can't play uh, uh, Montrez Harrell and, and Paul Reed and all these guys. They're unplayable in the playoffs. So uh, you, you really need a, a solid, legitimate backup. You know, this sounds weird, but I'd love for them to get Andre Drummond back. Or someone of that ilk, wow. um, to oh, at least, yeah. uh, to to at least um, not be a sieve defensively, and and be a uh, a black hole offensively. That that should be achievable. I mean, right? I mean, there should be a backup center or or two that are out there that that are available. You need someone who can play defense. Right. That, that's first. The, the, the defense and grab boards is, is first. The scuttle out there is that they're pursuing Nerlens. From Detroit, which oh. would be a bringing him back to Philadelphia. Oh my yeah, God. but he's good enough, though. Yeah. yeah, as a backup to play 10, 12 minutes, right? That's what you need. You you need 10, 12 minutes of somebody's energy off that bench to grab six, seven boards, a block or two, and don't do anything stupid. I mean, just look at what happened last night. That was the most infuriating game I've watched in a long time. They were up by twenty-one with the first team out there against the Knicks in New York. That's right. And I forgot as, about that. As soon as the I, second I team comes that. out. The lead evaporates, and you know they're tied going into halftime. It was the whole second squad. Really, they need to figure. Doc needs to figure out that rotation somehow, where they're going to have the right pieces on the on the floor, not to not to have that happen. Well, that's a really great lead into the fact that I couldn't have been happier last night when we beat the Sixers. <laughs> but Lon, what are your thoughts on trading Doc at the deadline? Trading Doc? Yeah, like do you think that if they, if they trade Doc and a few other picks for a backup center? And anybody else to coach the team, I think you guys have a real shot. <laughs> Why are there so many Doc haters? I, oh, Stefan hates all Doc. my all my friends in Philadelphia have something against. They call him Glenn. 
which is his real yeah. name. They there's only one doc. Him. There's only one doctor in Philadelphia. That's why. <laughs> right. That you know what? Right. That, that's a great. That's a great point. There wow. is only there's one Dr. doctor, and, and then there's Doc Holiday. So there's really Holiday. <laughs> that was it. That's that was a good it. point. Um, well, no, I just think I think people don't like Doc because they look at his playoff resume and he's blown multiple three-one leads in the, in the playoffs. He doesn't develop any of these young guys. You know, I think besides Maxi, you know, I, I, I like Maxi coming off the bench as a six man. Um, I love Melton. Uh, House isn't playing at all for mm-hmm. them. Um, again, it's going to come down to talk about the rotations in the playoffs. You're only going to play eight, maybe nine guys anyway. So, you know, and Embiid's going to play, instead of playing 36 minutes, he's going to play closer to, you know, 39, 40 minutes a game. You know, guys just gonna play more. I don't know if MB can do it for for four rounds. That's the problem. That that is. He hasn't proved it. You're right. He hasn't proved it. That's the part that that always scares me. Is you know he's one toe injury, one little thing away from that. That's it. Like that. If he goes down, even for a game or two in in a tight playoff series, it's over. That's it. When you look at him, Uh, and he's constantly crap. Yeah, I was just say when you look at him on TV in the fourth quarter of games. I mean, he looks, and the game's competitive. Out of shape. He looks so good. Well, I, you know what's funny? I'd love to tell you that I think he's out of shape. I think he might just be so damn big. Because I don't know. I mean, again, I know nothing about his regimen. I can't comment. I can only tell you that I think he's an incredible talent. He's an amazing player. And the fact that he started out with two years being injured and has come this far is amazing. But when you see him, like, with seven minutes to go in the fourth quarter, and the team's been pushing the pace on the other side, he looks gassed. I mean... Four rounds in the playoffs, and you know the playoffs, every round gets harder. I mean, you look at him. How old is Embiid right now? Uh, Late 20s? 28, something like that. Mm. I mean, could you imagine right now Embiid versus Giannis for seven games? No. I think Giannis would wipe the floor with him. Embiid is 28, almost 29 years old. You know, but again, to your point, if he goes down, you take any MVP type candidate that goes down, they're going to lose that series. Correct. They just are. Right. If, if, If Giannis you know, pulls a hammy, um, you know, they're done. Absolutely. Uh, you know, look, look what's going on with the Nets with KD out. I mean, the whole team's in shambles. You know, if any of those star players, and that was kind of Maury's point, I think, when people ask him about the backup center role, and he's like, look, if Joel gets hurt, we're, we're washed anyway. Like, we're not going to spend a lot of money or put a lot of equity into a backup center where if, if Joel goes down, we're not winning a title. It's an interesting point. It, it is. I think, though, what Maury needs to figure out, and you, you, all of you have said it, which is they, you need to get at least, you need, you need to buy the insurance policy to make the run. If they don't make a move to get that insurance policy, then you are really, like, rolling the dice. In the playoffs, these games are about momentum, too. So, like, if Embiid goes out and then you have somebody who, like, is inept to go in in his place, it's like you tend to lose the momentum, and it's hard to get that back. Very streaky, just like last night's game. Yep. So, look, the, the Sixers are they're looking good, but we'll we'll see. You know, hopefully they can do a couple things. Uh, you know, I don't think they need like big splash plays. They just need you know to strengthen up what's going on in terms of Kyrie. And then I want to get to some of the other you know things that might happen before the trade deadline that might be interesting in terms of Kyrie over under. Number of games until Mark Cuban wants to strangle him. I'm going 20. It's a good number. Yeah. It's a good number. Yeah. 
Like he can't be. Re- what's the pl- he can't yeah, be. Re- what's the plan? He can't yeah. be relied upon. I mean, like, like, come on. Twenty. Hmm. I'm gonna go, and I'm not wishing this upon him. I'm gonna go. I think he gets actually semi hurt mm-hmm. in like game nine to twelve, mm-hmm. and he's out for a solid two to three weeks. Right. Like, like Vin. What? Like, what's the? What well, could these owners be I, thinking? I think, you know, he he wants he wants his contract right. He wants his payday. So he's a he's a free agent at the end of the regular season. You know, it seems like they they got the reason why the Nets got traded him or he asked for the trade was because they weren't going to give him his money that he wanted that Kyrie wanted. So um, he's going to have to play nice in the sandbox for the rest of the season um, for any team Dallas included to give him any type of long term security. Right. That 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 is a very good point. But it's a short term, you know, anyone who's like at least half business savvy, which you would hope some of these owners are, they would say, yeah, I can see. Well, they're right billionaires here. for a reason. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. But some of them more given more than earned. Right. Exactly. So it's like hopefully they're able to see like, OK, do I trust him this year because he wants his money? But then like once I give him his money, like how can you trust him after that? You know, you can't. Right. Exactly. That's that's the thing. He hasn't proven that at all. You know, it's going to be interesting to see. And Vince, to your point, I agree with you. He's first of all, he's been trying to play nice the whole season because he's he, he wants a quarter of a billion dollars. He wants the big contract. The East and the West are very different this year. And so it's going to be really interesting to see how the Grizzlies and the Nuggets and the Kings and the Pelicans and, you know, how these other teams are going to play the Mavs now, because you do have legitimately two. I mean, I mean, I mean, I think I'm correct here. Are these the two best handles in the game right now? I mean, Luca well, and Luca and Kyrie. I mean, the two. I well, mean, Steph, Steph is you got you got to keep of Steph course, in there. Yeah. Of course. I mean that just this their offensive firepower is tremendous. I mean, Luca right now. If you had to take one player to make a shot or or run your offense through, it would have to be Luca. Um, uh, and Kyrie is just offensively. I've never seen anything like him. He's unbelievable, which pains me to say because I really don't like the guy. Oh no, he is unbelievable. Like, there's no when you just put him motivated on a floor with a basketball, and he can do whatever he wants. He's incredible. There's no doubt about that. So I guess basically, Mark Cuban and the Mavs are like, this is our year. Like, we're so well, we're going for it this year. Well, so the Mavs championship odds went from thirty to one to fourteen to one. Yeah, I mean. Hmm. So right, cl- clearly Vegas, you know, sees it similarly that the, he dramatically changes their trajectory. But the Mavs did give up some some interesting players too. I mean, they look they still have Tim Hardaway, they still have some some solid players. But Reggie Bullock. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I, okay, so what what are the other things we're looking at for the trade deadline? What are the big things that are kind of out there? So I think that the Warriors, especially with Steph's injury right now, are going to actively and have been actively looking to move. Wiseman, Kaminga, and I mean, I don't know who else, but they're going to make a move. They need to beef up that team. They need to beef up that bench. And I think right now they're sitting in the, I think the ninth spot, the ninth spot, maybe even the 10th. I think they're like 27 or 28 and 27. I mean, there's literally like seven or eight teams within three games. So I think that knowing Curry's going to be out for a solid three weeks to a month, I think that that even heightens the importance of them making a move uh i just don't know you know i don't know who's gonna who wants to take on wiseman maybe it's toronto maybe they they swoop in and try and grab uh van fleet or um maybe even pascal siakam for a big package of kaminga wiseman and two picks 
I don't know. What do you guys think? And is that is that the plan there, Stefan? Is just get in and anything can happen. Get into the tournament and anything can happen. Well, I think for the Warriors, they know that they're the window of Clay, Draymond, and Curry is coming to a close. So like, it's every year they got to go for it every. Year. I think I think yeah. they're they're in a position right now where they have to make a move in order to get in in order to in, get to the level that the Nuggets and the Grizzlies appear to be at right now. Would you agree, Lon? I would agree, but like once you get to the playoffs, and if they don't get hurt, you still have. I mean, look, Draymond's trying to show that he like is getting he's kind of back to a degree, but I still don't buy it completely. Like on the offensive side of things, but you know they have Steph Clay. They have Wiggins, who was like incredible in the finals. Jordan Poole, who I think is is a very solid player for them. So they still have five pretty core players on this team. They have Looney, who I think is is solid, plays hard. They do need one or two other pieces um, at this point. Yeah, but, I mean, but I, I, in in my opinion, honestly, if if they're healthy, I still think they're the favorite out of the West. Would you trade Wiggins? Wow. Would you trade Wiggins? No, Kaminga. And two picks to the Raptors for Siakam and Van Fleet. I don't know. Then what would you do? Well, I, I think they're definitely going to trade Wiseman because that the tax hit right on on him huge. is is it's tremendous. And so you know, I think he's due to make ten million dollars, but his cap hit would be closer to like twenty five or thirty million um, because of, of of the repeater tax. So I think he's gone. Um, you know, they, they, it seems like they, they, they took a, they took a swing and missed on that pick. Um, well, uh, it was, it was a COVID pick too. It was a bubble pick, but it was so right, it was tough. Right. You couldn't work him out. You couldn't do anything. And he only played what a handful of games at college. So, um, no, I think, I, I think really the West is wide open, like you said, and you know, no one really trusts Denver, even though they seem to, to be the most dominant team in the West, people just don't trust them because they haven't seen them, um, you know, with their defense. Um, so it, it's wide open and, and, you know, the East is kind of flipped. Normally the East is the one that is, um, uh, kind of the, 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 the weaker of the conferences, but it seems like the West is this year. That is interesting. Right. Like with Memphis and Denver and Memphis hasn't proven it. I, I mean, they have a lot of talented players, but they, they, you know, I don't trust them either at this point, just well, to be mature enough in the playoffs as what's, well. What's crazy is this losing streak or this, you know, eight out of 10 that they've lost, you know, three weeks ago seemed impossible right. the way that they were playing. Right. So it's a real reflection on, hey, you know, let's not everybody give them the, the Western Conference title yet. And they're really young and they, they probably need like another veteran on that team because Adams went down and Adams is the only, you know, parent or adult in the room. You know, they could really use another veteran on that team. I mean, the truth is, you know, they might need to shake something up and they might be seeing that right now. So whether they go after like a Ro Terry Rozier on, on the Bobcats, or that would be, you know, a huge addition for them. I think just from a stabilization of those personalities, because I think you've seen them unravel in the last few weeks. Obviously, you know, we saw Dylan Brooks, uh, you know, you know, go for Donovan Mitchell's, uh, you know, uh, family jewels in the middle of a game. So I think that, uh, I, th I think the team's unraveled and they need to, you know, stabilize that team. Yeah. I mean, I, th I think you said it all. Anything, anything else that you think is out there before the trade deadline that's that's compelling, or, or should we just wait and see? W what are the Miami Heat going to do? They're going to do anything. I mean, 
I mean, I, I would put that question out to everybody because I, I, at the beginning of the season, I didn't understand why it was the same roster. Right. Right. Especially mm. with Lowry. Well, no, no. So Lowry officially has been offered in trades. Right, right. I think the question is, well, I, you know, that's an interesting. That's the thing with the Miami Heat, though. You know, it, at the end of the, at the end of the season, I still feel like the Heat, and like Boston, it's still gonna look very similar to last year. It's still gonna be. I, I still think it's gonna be like the Heat, and Boston, and Golden State, because these guys still know how to play in the playoffs. If they're healthy, it's like. The Heat were literally one shot away from going to the NBA Finals, and they have the same freaking team. I'll tell you right now, you don't want to play the Heat in the first round. No. You just don't. Yeah, Jimmy Butler becomes like a top five player in the and, league. And Bam's having a phenomenal season, and it, it takes, you know, and then, you know, just the way that they play defense when it matters. But uh, who would Lowry be good on right now? Uh, <laughs> uh, upper Dublin High School varsity team? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's been awful. He's been awful. <laughs> I don't know about that. I heard that. Is that just is that just fit? Nah. It's fat. It's fat. It's fat. It's fat. <laughs> yeah, that, that's what it is. All right. And I love and I I love Kyle like going back to his Nova days. I thought he was great. He's just not he he's not a piece anymore. He's not a piece. No, I, I agree with you. I agree with you. I do think though, I think there's gonna be a lot of moves that will be made. Uh, by the way, I think the Mavs might move Christian Wood. Right. I could see them dangling him to a team to try and bring in a another you know defender I, c- I feel like they could use another defender coming off the bench uh i don't know m- maybe would christian wood fit on the sixers uh Possibly. and maybe taking back um Thibel? that's not a bad no, no. it's not it's it, no no he's not he, he's not a guy that the sixers need they, they need a guy like like lee was saying earlier that's going to play some defense and make the team a little tougher when it out on the court um they thought they had that in pj tucker um, you know, again, it's really going to come down to the playoffs. And, you know, they got P.J. Tucker to guard your Durant's, your Giannis's of the world, your, your, out of, your um, Bam Adebayo's. Um, and so that's where he's going to earn his $30 million is in the playoffs. So this is going to pain Stefan more than anything now that we're talking about, <laughs> since we're talking about the NBA. And I know this isn't trade deadline, but it's an important thing this week. And we discussed it the last pod. The LeBron's going to pass Kareem this week. What, what do you what do you guys think about that accomplishment? I, Ste- Stefan hates it. He just thinks he just played a long time. Well, so did Kareem. <laughs> I mean, like Kareem played more play games without playing. Right? Yeah, you can. Kareem, Kareem is still playing. Kareem still playing. <laughs> Kareem has played 150 he's a, more games. He's playing in China. Right. Right. With Dwight Howard. <laughs> <laughs> it's Steph Marbury. It's, it's like a big. It's like a fertile ground for old big men. The Sixers should go on like a scouting trip. <laughs> Tracy McGrady, they're all on the same team. Listen, listen, I, a scouting Marbury. balloon. I, I, I will, I, I will give Lonnie this, and 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 the view, and the you know the listeners. Look, LeBron is an extremely, you know, he's top two, top three player of all time. It's an amazing accomplishment. It's an incredible record. Whether I'm a fan or not, and I'm not, um, I respect his game. I respect everything that he's done. Um, I can only hope that after he's done in the NBA, which is probably going to be in about four or five years after his sons are on some team that he's playing on, and it's like this most amazing media tour and whatever, uh, I hope he becomes an ambassador for good and for change, and he actually spends all of his free time doing really good things, the way that Kobe sort of turned, the worm turned for Kobe, and he became this like, now granted, Kobe was a brilliant individual, like actually off the court, 
Um, I'm not saying LeBron isn't, but I just I hope that LeBron turns into something more after this uh, 25-year run. Not not to get too far off tangent. Was Kareem? Because yeah, because I I do have a question after this, but uh, Vince was the person who I went to see Kobe play in person in high school for the first time. We were I think we were. 14, we were in eighth grade and we went to see Kobe. Yeah, yeah. And my dad dropped us off at Lower Marion High School and we went to see Kobe in his gym. He was a ju- it was the beginning of his junior year of high school and there was like 50 people in the gym and the two of us sat there and watched him. So, did we, you guys know what was going on? Or, oh yeah. yeah, we knew. Okay. Oh, you know. Yeah, we knew. Okay. Yeah, then the two of us sat next to each other. We're like, what the hell? Like we we knew he was going to be great, but we're like, this is like ridiculous. I think Lonnie, wow. the first game, he got like three fouls in the first half and didn't really play. Yeah, he got a technical, which counts as a personal foul in high school. And you're like, this guy's not that good. And then comes down the second half and like so there was like twenty five points in the second half in high school. He does like a, he does like a three sixty over a guy that looked like me, and then <laughs> 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 which what which shouldn't have been the litmus test, but we were like, that guy's pretty yeah. good. <laughs> uh, Vin, this this may actually make Stefan crazy, but y- you actually think he's the go, right? Who? LeBron. I'm sorry, not Kobe. LeBron. Oh, I thought you were Kobe. Um, no, I still think Jordan. I think Jordan is, okay. but right. again, right. going back to, you know, LeBron, just the longevity is incredible. I mean, that's where you really that he's 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 the he's the goat of that. <laughs> I mean, that's for sure. I mean, it's it the production, the longevity. Um, you know, being annoying, he's a, he's a goat at that, mm-hmm. um, yeah. you know, passive aggressiveness. Uh, but again, he's, he's a really, um, he's fun to watch. I mean, he's so smart out there. It's incredible. Listen, you touched on the longevity. Uh, I, I think also just to be fair, you know, modern, modern medicine and technology has certainly helped his longevity. I don't know how many cryo chambers and doctors he has. And that's, you know, look, it's a testament to what he's decided to do. Uh, I, I do appreciate how bright he is. He's really, really bright. I'd love to see that intellect post his career, whether it's in coaching, whether it's in owning a team. How about whether it's in starting clinics for kids all over the country and like sharing that knowledge that he was able to gain because he didn't graduate college. No. Right. So he has this like remarkable intellect for the game on the court, devising plays. I mean, this has been going on for years. Yeah, LeBron did good. He was he no, he came right out of high school. He was drafted right. at seventeen. So I think I, I you know, look, I'm going to defer judgment and say I know he's top three ever. Uh, I know some people think he's number one. I never will. Uh, but I, I look forward to look. I look forward to seeing how he does over the next couple of years because it's a re- remarkable to continue to watch him play. Talk about an end of an era, similar to the way Tom Brady era ended. Uh, LeBron's era might even be longer. I think he might be longer than 23 years, which, you know, gives me some pains, but it's okay. Well, I mean, he might be what him and Tom Brady are two athletes where we have, we have been around longer than their careers. I mean, the superstars of the, of, of the leagues were older than that which is sort of <laughs> putting things in perspective as well, right? Lee has had a history over the last 22, three years of always making me feel like older than I am. He's always like, do you remember when? And I'm like, yeah, I do, man. He's like, God, that was so long ago. It feels like three lifetimes ago. I'm like, you know what, dude, I don't need this. I'm good. I'm good. Um, well, listen, this has been an awesome uh, experience. 
Uh, congratulations to Vince and to Lee to being our two guests, our two first guests. And I think that it's a high bar for all guests after this. Awesome. Do we do we beat Brennan? Are we higher than Brennan? Listen, I, I don't do think you want to. I don't think you want to compare yourself to little children, especially as a principal, Vince. Let's not do that. <laughs> <laughs> you, you guys did great. We we knew you would. We we appreciate you taking some time out to to do this with us. And uh, this was a blast. Go, go birds! Right. You, you're definitely you're definitely invited back for sure. And I will tell you that if the birds do win. Um, I think we'll just quickly have you guys on for a five to ten minute jubilation ceremony because you, you've, er, you, you've earned it. You've earned it. I'll be on Broad Street on that, Sunday that, night. That, Ooh. That, that's what I was going to say. I want five minutes yes. of, of Vince mic'd up. Yes. And then, for, and, then, <laughs> and then forgetting he's mic'd up on Broad Street. That's what I want. And Lee, if you, are you, if you end up being, you know, watching with whomever and you end up facing time with one of your friends from home, and I know most of them, I just need one of their commentary like around 12, 1 a.m. It's perfect. Okay. <laughs> Will do. They're actually going to be most of them are going to be at the game. So very we'll nice. Very nice. All right, guys. Thanks so much. Real pleasure. Thank you All for right. having thanks, me. Guys. Yep. From the dudes of Davey, thank our guests, and we'll, uh, we'll talk to you next time. Have a great week. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm.